everyone, welcome to Dismiss Mal. My name is Pat. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a media professional who is studying a master's in screen media and innovation at Tallinn University. And as someone who's worked in the field for over 10 years, I used to think that I had a pulse on what is happening in the industry until I remembered that I spent more time on content creation and curation and not as much time exploring the effects of media on society. The program that I'm studying is problem and project-based, which means our cohort has a problem that we take some time to research, and then we come up with a project that addresses the problem that we are researching. My cohort is looking into information disorder, which in short is the spread of false information with or without intent to harm. My podcast name, Dismiss Mao, is a combination of three prefixes that are categories of information disorder. So dis, information, misinformation, and mal information, which is dis, miss, mal. Whew, that was a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> I know for sure that if I spoke that way to my mom, she will not understand anything that I said. Well, except that I'm studying a master's, which she is, of course, proud of. I'm trying to make a podcast that explains what I'm studying in language that's simple enough for my mom to understand. It also has to be something that she can then discuss with her friends because she understands it enough and is important enough to her. I cannot say misinformation, malinformation, disinformation, information disorder to my mom. I'll just lose her in like two minutes. I can tell her about how people lie, of course, which she knows that people lie. And I can tell her that the same people that lie to her face can also lie to her on digital media. But for some reason, for my mom's generation, if something is sent on WhatsApp or it's on the internet or it's on social media, they kind of just believe it as if it's true. Human nature has not suddenly changed because we are interacting on mobile phones and social media and streaming TV programs instead of watching linear TV. Technology is changing how we relate to each other and with media, but liars are still lying and thieves are still stealing and propaganda is still propaganda even though it's moved from pamphlets and newspapers to tweets and TikToks. As you can imagine, studying green media is such a wide subject because when you're looking at screen media you can you're looking at all screen so television what are you consuming on your phone what are you consuming on your computer what what are you streaming all these are areas of screen media and if you really think about it in a home you can have easily five screens your personal phone your work phone your personal laptop your work laptop your tablet if you have one, and then a TV. On all of these, you are consuming some form of media from the time that you wake up, you make it throughout the day. Even as you're driving, you are using your phone for something. So we are constantly dependent on screen media, whether it's for just your day-to-day navigating the world, or if it is you know, for entertainment or education, or you're searching for information all day, every day. There is a lot of information that is inaccurate, information that is false, information that is manipulated, information that is taken out of context, information that is completely fabricated that we are consuming sometimes. And most times we won't even know it. That is information disorder. 
What I've learned diving into the different forms of false information that's spread through our screens is that, you know, all your why, when, where, how, who, what's of spreading false information are really vast. You can imagine how wide my research was. But no matter what I decided to pick on so that I could study that, none of it was new. It was new to me for studies. But when I would look for articles around whatever subject I wanted to pick, there was always something. I'll give an example. As part of my research, I decided to choose to observe social media. And in social media, I went on the platform called Discord, which has Discord servers. I started to observe some servers that are related to cryptocurrencies as part of my research and bumped into what are called pump and dumps. Um, for context, mothers, this is not when you want to go for a night out in the town and you drink alcohol, then you pump your breast milk and dump it so that your baby doesn't get drunk when they drink your milk. No, it's not that kind of pump and dump. This is the pump and dump that's related to market manipulation in cryptocurrency, where a few people artificially raise the price of crypto to attract new people, you know, to attract people to come and buy it. And these people have absolutely no clue what is happening. So they all gladly buy thinking, oh, we're finally going to make money, you know. Then the manipulators sell at a higher price. You know, they make their cash and they leave. And the new people who bought the coin are left holding this coin that has absolutely no value. So a person can come in and buy their crypto at $100 today and tomorrow morning wake up and it's worth five cents. So it's the same term, pump and dump. But if you're a mom, who's breastfeeding means something completely different from if you are in crypto. It was totally new to me, but there were so many articles on this. There weren't only articles on what it is. There were articles about the ecosystem, how it works, what it is, where it happens, who does it, why, in what particular instance, and who benefits and who loses. There were also historical facts about where it came from, where it has been adapted from, which is the stock market pump and dumps, right? And the fact that there are laws against pump and dumps in, in, in the stock market, but there aren't any laws yet with regards to pump and dumps in the crypto market, because the crypto market is still not as regulated, I will not get into the details of my research. I have a blog with a detailed account of the research that I got into. You can go to medium.com forward slash at Resoluto Media, R-E-S-O-L-U-T-O-M-E-D-I-A. But if you didn't get that, it will also be in the episode description for this podcast. So please check it out. I will, however, share the feelings that I had while I was doing this research. Eventually, I observed a scam. And when I, when I discovered this scam, I had these ethical questions, right? Like, what do I do with the information that I have? I mean, can I report it? If so, who do I report to? Am I safe? If I share this information, won't somebody hack me? Isn't there going to be some sort of an attack? I mean, I have family online and they're clearly marked as, you know, friend, sister, brother, and so on and so forth. And so I was so worried, not only about me, but about my family, right? All the people that I was researching on this platform were anonymous. So it's, it wasn't like I could go there and just get on the platform and say, hey, yo, it's a scam. I mean, I totally could do that, but the scammers would probably take my message down 
they can easily change information or block me out, right? So I actually fell into days of silence because I didn't know what to do with the information. When I spoke to some people who are in academia, they called it a unique discovery, you know, that would make my academic research great. But all I could think about were the mothers who were losing their money, their retirement money, and the young people who were losing their savings and whoever else had lost money. That, you know, if there was somewhere where I could report this, if there was somewhere where I could speak up about this, if there was somewhere that was central that I could actually just talk about this discovery. Maybe I could save somebody else from losing their money. And then another thing that I discovered was that the people who were being scammed were barely speaking up. The information that I found about people who had been scammed on these particular platforms, I found it on, you know, websites like Scam or Safe. And then at the bottom, I found replies that would then say, hey, I was scammed on this platform. But I know for sure that Discord servers will have sometimes 7,000 people, 8,000 people. And the replies that I read were less than 10. So if 10 people out of 7,000 speak up and on a platform where if you don't look for scam or safe, it's not like they, there's some SOS somewhere screaming out, hey, there's a there's a scam going around on Discord on this particular server and it's like this and like that. I had this study on my hands about stuff that's happening right now. And even as I record this, the scam is ongoing. But this is not how I grew up. The way that I grew up was that if somebody knows that there's something that could hurt others, then that person who knows that thing has has automatically made it preventable. So what I mean by that is if we can take it back to I don't know, old days, right? If a person saw a lion in the forest close to the village, they would go home and say, hey, guys, we saw a lion close to the village. Stay safe. Sometimes the the mothers won't even go and fetch water. The men would go out and hunt for this lion and kill it to make sure that everybody else is going to be safe. A modern version of that online would be that, let's say there's a scam. Somebody finds out there's a scam, right? They go, they warn people, hey, there's a scam in this particular place. And then authorities or people who can get rid of it will go and, you know, take the scam down or get rid of it. This is really not how things work in our days today. In fact, a lot of us, when we get information these days, we're looking for ways to monetize it or turn it into an article or, I don't know, somehow make it some big exclusive. It's no longer there to just help people. And this is this is what my kind of struggle was, where I was like, I can have this information, but I would like to reduce casualties. But I also want the victims to be able to speak up to help others. Where do people get to know about these things that are problems in society that we're facing right now, that if somebody knew about it, it could change their lives. Somebody could tell me that, you know, it's in academic articles, but let's be honest, society is not out here trying to get into academic articles. It is not happening. I remember speaking to a friend of mine and saying, hey, there's information about this, this, this. Would you like to read about it? And I told him that it's an academic article. And he said, nah, man, that's for school. I'm out of school. Why would I need to go back to that? This is not to say that people are ignorant. Sometimes people just don't want to go back to school because they don't have good experiences. And also not everybody's calls to academia. Can we get that information where they are? This is the thing because the person who would see the lion in the forest would not wait until the people go to the forest for, the, for him to then say, hey, there's a lion in the forest. He would take the information to the people. So my thing is, 
is there a way that I can maybe become that caller who will read stuff in academia and say, hey, there's a lion, there's a pothole, there's <laughs> there's a scam, there's this, there's that, and then come and bring it onto this podcast and say, hey, guys, can we be careful about this? Hey, authorities, is there a way that we can deal with one, two, three, four, five? This is a study that I've read. I haven't seen anything being done about it in society, but also read about things that affect my mom and my friends and actually be able to talk about it on a podcast like this. Can this place be kind of like a bridge or a place where we say, okay, academia is there and society is there, but here I am. This is what I found out about false information on the internet and how it affects you. Mom, this is what it is. Please be careful. Friend, when you want to get into cryptocurrency, this is what it is. Please be careful. Academia seems to be so far removed from society and there are so many answers that academia already has for and about society. But these things cannot be turned into solutions from an academic perspective. We can't call everybody into the classroom. Most of society might not accept that. And sometimes they can't have access to it. What do you do for a person who cannot afford to go to university? Because not everybody can. Where can they get this information that is locked up behind paywalls as research articles. How are they even going to know about these things? I found myself so frustrated at the beginning of my degree and when I was reading these heartbreaking studies that literally made me cry about society and the problems that we're facing right now. But these studies are not reaching the people that they're meant to help. I find that there's no use studying these issues that affect people if my studies are not going to change anything in people's lives. So after this long-winded introduction, all I'm saying is tune into my podcast for interesting studies about society that you need to know about so we can change the world with the things we know. So here's to the journey. <laughs> Thank you for listening.